Toddsville Grace Church would like to invite you to listen to a sermon by our pastor, Todd Nybert. We are located at 4137 Todd's Road, two miles outside of Manowar Boulevard. Sunday services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 p.m. Bible study is at 945 a.m. Wednesday services are at 7 p.m. Nursery is provided for all services. For more information, visit our website at toddsroadgracechurch.com. Now here's our pastor, Todd Nybert. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 18, Moses makes this request to God. He says, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Now I want you to think of all the things that Moses had seen. Moses was used by God to deliver the children of Israel from the bondage of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. He had seen God plague the land with those ten plagues and how God would harden Pharaoh's heart so he would not let the people go. And on the tenth plague, they ended up begging them to leave And they left a wealthy people, the Egyptians, giving them their riches. Now, on the way toward Sinai, God hardened Pharaoh's heart again. He went after the children of Israel to bring them back. And this is the time that God parted the Red Sea. And the children of Israel walked through it on dry ground. And when the Egyptians tried to do, the might of the sea came back over them and drowned them all. And the children of Israel actually saw their dead bodies washed up on the seashore when they were on the other side. Moses had seen God provide manna from heaven. Moses had seen water rush out of a smitten rock. Now, both of these are great types of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, but they were what Moses saw literally. Moses was given the law, the Ten Commandments, the oracles, the words of God. He had seen all of this. Yet he says, I've not seen your glory. I beseech you, Show me your glory. Now, let me give you the setting of this request. This is right after Moses had gone back up into Mount Sinai and was there for 40 days. Now, at this time, while he was on the mount, just a few weeks after they left Egypt in the first place, verse 1 of chapter 32 And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what is become of him. Now, how quickly they defect. This Moses, we never liked him anyway. We don't know where he is. Make 
us gods. Now, these men wanted, these women wanted a man-made God that they could worship. Man's desire is for a God he has made. If I've made that God, I can control him. So they say to Aaron, up, make us gods, which shall go before us. We can get them to do what we want. They'll go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives and of your sons and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. Now these golden earrings were ornaments to beautify them. Aaron says, Let's make a break them off and give them to me. I think it's interesting he selects earrings. When people go bad, hearing goes bad. They can't really here. Verse 3, and all the people break off their golden earrings and were in their, that were in their ears and brought them into Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a, gro- a graving tool. Now he's making a god. And he made it a molten calf. And they said, these be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. How tragic, how wicked, how unbelieving. They made a golden calf and said, this is the God that brought you up out of Egypt, the God that we have made. Psalm 106 verse 20 says, they changed their glory into a similitude of an an ox that eateth grass. That's what they made their God into. Now, verse 5, I believe to be one of the saddest verses in all the Bible. And it indicates what men do in their religion. Religion's an evil thing. Man's religion is an evil thing. And here we have such a fair representation of what it is. And when Aaron saw, he built an altar before it, before this golden calf. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord, to Jehovah. Here we have this golden calf and Aaron mentions Jehovah's name. I suppose this legitimatized what they were doing. And it gave them affirmation in what they're doing. This is being done in the name of Jehovah. This is Jehovah. And this reminds me of the, quote, Christianity of our day. They'll make up a Jesus that's not the Lord Jesus of the Bible and call him Jesus. And everybody thinks it must be okay. It's not okay. It's an idol. It's a false God. And that's what they were doing. They made what they thought was a good representation of God, a golden calf, and called him Jehovah in seeking to make what they're doing legitimate. Verse 6, And they rose up early on the morning, 
and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Now this is what could accurately describe most services that go on under the name of Christianity, playing, playing church, using scriptural phrases and peppering them in with what we're doing, scriptural names, but it's nothing but playing and idolatry. That is what is going on and that is what provoked the Lord's anger. And you can go on reading in this chapter of what the Lord said to Moses about this. And Moses was greatly troubled. He thought perhaps the Lord was going to cut him off because of this great sin. And he prayed for the people and he prayed for the Lord's mercy. Now I want to pick up reading in chapter 33, verse 1. You would find it interesting to read uh, the rest of chapter 32, if you can. I think one of the... um, Interesting verses. And Moses said unto Aaron, verse 21, And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest this people set for mischief. For they said unto me, Make us gods which shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what's become of him. And I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let him break it off. So they gave it me, and I cast it into the fire, and there came out this calf. Now, isn't that ridiculous? He wouldn't even take responsibility for what took place. He says this calf just popped out. This demonstrates the ridiculousness and the unbelief and the sinfulness that was going on. Now, it's in that context that Moses asks the Lord, Show me your glory. Verse 1 of chapter 33. And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob. Unto thy seed I'll give it, and I'll send an angel before thee. I'm not going. I'll send an angel before thee. And I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I'll not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. And when the people heard these evil tidings, and the evil tidings, as the Lord said, I'm not going to be with you. That's evil tidings. When the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned and no man did put on his ornaments, the things that would beautify him. For the Lord had said unto Moses, saying to the children of Israel, you're stiff-necked people, a hard-hearted, callous people. I will come up unto thee in the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee that I may know what to do unto thee. All the things they thought beautified them, they were to get rid of and they were to stand naked before God. Have you ever said, nothing in my hands I bring? Simply to thy cross I cling. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the Mount of Oreb. And Moses took the tabernacle. And this is not the tabernacle that would later be built, that had the Holy of Holies and the veil and all the paraphernalia of that tabernacle 
That was to be built later. This was just a tent called the Tabernacle of Meeting. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the Tabernacle of the Congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out into the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And that would be an accurate description of a believer, someone who seeks the Lord. Am I someone who seeks the Lord? And it came to pass when Moses went out into the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at the tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered the cloudy pillar, descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar and at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. Now, if you ever see the Lord, you will worship. And you will only worship an absolute sovereign. You're in his hands. That God you'll worship. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Now this demonstrates the power of the gospel. God spoke to Moses as his friend. Moses was a sinful man. But God spoke to Moses as his friend. Abraham was called the friend of God. And the Lord said to his disciples, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Now here's what the gospel does. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, of him are you in Christ Jesus who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness, sanctification and redemption. That describes every believer. The person who has wisdom Righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Christ made all that to them. That's God's friend. And God speaks to that person face to face. And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest. Now he begins with what the Lord said. And that's a good place for you and I to begin. With what the Lord has said. In his word. I'm not interested in men's opinions and men's theology. I want to know what God has said in his word. Lord, see thou sayest unto me, bring up this people. And yet thou hast not let me know whom thou will send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name. And thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I found grace in thy sight. Now, this was Moses' desire. I want to find grace in your sight. I want your grace. I don't want to be given what I deserve. I don't want to be given what I merit. I need pure, free grace. If you deal with me according to my works, there's no hope for me. I need grace. 
grace. The same grace Paul spoke of when he said, by grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now he says, if I found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way. I don't want to know man's way. I want to know God's way. Christ said, I am the way. He's the way to the Father. He's the way of righteousness. He's the way of grace. He's the way of peace. He is the way. He's the way of salvation. No man comes to the Father, but by me, he didn't say, I'll show you the way. He said, I am the way. Show me now thy way that I might know thee. I want to know God. And I don't want my knowledge of him to be simply name dropping. I know God. Does he know you is the question. You wouldn't be using his name merely name dropping, but he, when you call on him, he knows who you are. That's how you know God is if he knows you. Now that you've known God or rather are known of God. Oh, I want to know you. The Lord said, this is eternal life that they might know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I want to know you that I might find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is thy people. I know they're sinful, but you're the one who chose them. And he said, my presence shall go with thee and I'll give thee rest. The rest of faith. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence, for where shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight, in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Now, if you know God, you know you're separate from other men. And you know what separated you? The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The difference between you and somebody that doesn't know God is His separating, distinguishing grace. It's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that made you differ from somebody else. And the Lord said unto Moses, I'll do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And this is when Moses makes his request. I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And Moses is saying, I've not seen it yet. I beseech thee, show me what you say your glory is. Now, if you would ask a hundred different men what the glory of God was, you'd probably get a hundred different answers. But here is God describing his own glory. Here's his answer to Moses' request. I will make all my goodness pass before thee. The Lord's glory is his goodness. Every attribute of God is a demonstration of his goodness. His sovereignty, His absolute control of everybody and everything is a good sovereignty. His omnipotence is good omnipotence. His wrath is good wrath. It's right, it's just, it's holy like His person. His 
wisdom is good wisdom. His immutability, the fact that he can't change, is a demonstration he's good all the time. Everything God does is good. Men sit in judgment on God and say, well, how can God let this happen? How can God do that? How can... God's good. We're bad. God's good all the time, whatever he does. And I'm not going to try to apologize for anything he does. He's good. It's the goodness of God that leadeth thee to repentance. You'll remain hard-hearted unless he in his goodness does something for you. You see, the very fact that he can save people that are as wicked as the Israelites at this time, as unbelieving, is a, is a demonstration of his goodness. He said, I'll make all my goodness pass before thee. I'll proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. His name is his attributes. It's the person behind the name. Every one of his glorious attributes. When you think of a person and you think of their name, you don't just think of the spelling of the name. You think of the attributes and the characteristics of that person. The name of the Lord is his character, his attributes, his personality. And then he says, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. Now he will be gracious. He will show mercy. That's who he is. But he'll show mercy to whoever he's pleased to show mercy. And he will have compassion on whoever he is pleased to have compassion. You see, grace is always sovereign. You know, when you ask somebody to forgive you, you don't say, it's your duty to forgive me. And if you don't forgive me, it's wrong on your part. No, you come to that person as a sovereign. Would you be pleased to forgive me? It's up to you. Now, that's the way God's grace is. If somebody comes into his presence and says, you need to give me grace, it'd be wrong for you not to. I've accepted you, I've done this, I've done that, now give it to me. Huh. You're not asking for grace, you're asking for merit. You're asking for God to pay you what he owes you. And my dear friend, if he pays you what he owes you, it's, it's bad for you and it'd be bad for me. He says, I'll be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And then we have that amazing story in verse 20. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for thou shalt no man see me and live. The Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by, that I'll put thee in a cliff of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I'll take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts. But my face shall not be seen. His back parts is what he's done. His back parts is his salvation. No man can see his face and live. But he said, you'll see my back parts. And this is where that glorious hymn, Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee, comes from. Now, verse 5 of chapter 34. Remember he said, I'm going to proclaim the name of the Lord before you. He begins to proclaim his name to Moses. This is an answer to Moses' request. I beseech you, show me your glory. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, 
God. Jehovah, Jehovah Almighty. Now when he makes himself known to Moses, the first way he makes himself known is as the Lord God, the Lord God Almighty, the Lord God Omnipotent. If he's not omnipotent, all of his attributes are meaningless. But he is omnipotent and he has the power to make everything he wills come to pass. He has the power to perform the will of all of his attributes. The Lord God is one and he makes him first known as the Lord God Almighty. And then he says, merciful. This is used only to describe God. Merciful. Gracious. He delights in mercy. Long-suffering. Patient. And abundant in goodness and truth. There's no lie or there's no darkness or there's no error in him. In him is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Keeping mercy for thousands. He delights in mercy. And forgiving iniquity. And transgression and sin. That three-headed monster. Iniquity, transgression, and sin. Iniquity, the sin of our good things. Transgression, the sin of our bad things. Sin, our nature. He forgives it all. Yet look what it says next. That will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. How is it that God can forgive sin and by no means clear the guilty? That is understood only in the gospel of Jesus Christ. How God has made a way to be just and never clear the guilty and yet justify everybody that Jesus Christ died for. This is the great mystery of the gospel. How he can forgive and never clear the guilty. That is only understood in the light of the cross, what the Lord Jesus accomplished on Calvary's tree. This is who God is. This is his glory. And what was Moses' response? And Moses made haste, bowed his head toward the earth, and worshiped. And he said, If now I have found grace in thy sight, he didn't presume on this. Oh, this is my desire. If I have found grace in your sight, and I know the only way you can deal with me is if you deal with me according to pure, pure, free grace. If I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us. We need your presence. For it's a stiff-necked people. That's why we need grace. We're stiff-necked. And pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for thine inheritance. Now that is the Lord's answer to Moses when he says, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. We have this message on CD, DVD. Write, we'll send you a copy. This is Todd Nibert praying that God will be pleased to make himself known to you. Mm -hmm.
To receive a copy of the sermon you have just heard, send your request to todd.nybert at gmail.com or you may write or call the church at the information provided on the screen. 